I just kind of had to take that first step and mm-hmm. believe in myself. And I think that that was, that was the biggest lesson for me is that, you know, I kept telling myself I didn't know enough. I didn't go to, you know, this fancy school or that fancy school. And, you know, I don't have a degree in this. And it's like, it doesn't matter. I do know enough. I, you know, I have a passion around it and I have a reason to have a passion around it. I've experienced it and this is how it helped and shaped my life. Today, I'm talking to Shauna Robinson, a former corporate girl working for Google and Yahoo and other tech companies and now turned wellness guide. She's been there, she's done it, she knows what she's talking about. After more than 20 years seeing the corporate world not only from the shiny outside, she's here to help you make your way to more freedom in work and life. This is kind of a follow-up on episode number four because I see the topic of feeling stuck in a permanent job strikes a nerve with so many of you. I get so much feedback where people tell me, hey, that's exactly how I felt talking about health issues and burnout while working in a job that's putting a lot of stress on them or demanding overtime or denying them flexible working hours. So today we're going a little bit deeper into that topic and we're also touching on how to make that leap of faith, quitting your job and jumping into the unknown and starting something completely new. Enjoy. Welcome to Cat's Podcast, Shauna. I'm super happy to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much. Um, I hope I can live up to that um, amazing introduction. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be doing this. I'm so, uh, you know, so glad that we've connected. So thank you for having me. Sure. It's a pleasure because I know you've been in a situation where a lot of people um, are in right now and all the feedback, as I just said, that I got on my episode number four with Eileen that just made me realize, okay, maybe do another show, do a follow-up on that. And let's talk a little bit more about how to get out of this often, yeah, this, this feeling of stuckness or this, I think for a lot of people, it's even like a desperate situation, like what to do? Can I quit my job, but I don't know where I'm headed next. And I think with your experience, with what you've been through and you took this leap of faith and jumped into the unknown. That's something a lot of people will um, hopefully benefit from. So to start off with, tell us a bit about your life and how your day nowadays typically looks like. Uh, yeah, I so I live in LA. Um, I moved to LA about 18 months ago from New York City and I don't think that I would have been able to do this in New York. So um, I'm an early morning person. I definitely am, you know, super productive in the morning. Um, I generally wake up naturally by like 5 30, 6 o'clock. I know that kind of grosses most people out, but I get a lot of work done. Um, I either start to write some of my Instagram posts or blog posts, or I'm doing some online coursework. So I'll sit and drink my coffee and, and do some of that. And, you know, most days I do go to yoga. I am like an avid Bikram yoga enthusiast. I am a weirdo who likes to stand in a room that's heated to 105 degrees and and go through a series of postures. Um, But I, you know, for me, it it totally helps. And, you know, I will talk ad nauseum about the benefits. Um, And then I usually, you know, I live at Whole Foods, um, which for those of you not living in America, it's a a grocery chain. I know that there are some places internationally, you know, very focused on health supportive foods and, you know, all of the 
sort of dietary things that we all, you know, kind of are, are moving towards in our day to day. I cook, I take pictures, I post things to the Instagram. Um, I have coaching clients that I work with. Um, so not every day is like super typical like that, but you can guarantee that um, I will be up early. So if, if anybody ever needs to call me, 5.30 in the morning is totally fine. Awesome. And that's why we can do this interview that early for you. So <laughs> yes, I'm here. It's, yeah. it's, it's 7.45 in the morning in, in LA right now. And it's like, I've been up for, you know, an hour and a half. And I think that people can probably hear I'm, you know, I'm two cups of coffee in and I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm <laughs> wired for sound. <laughs> you are. And you sound great. You sound wide awake. Oh, um, for me, I'm in Germany at the moment. And for me, it's a quarter to five in the afternoon. So I'm a little bit ahead. And yeah, but that's great. So talking freedom lifestyle, I know that your life hasn't always been like that. So tell us a bit, a little bit about your previous life and also the decisive moment or experience that made you change your life. Yeah, um, I will try to make this, you know, fairly concise. Um, you know, as you mentioned at the at the beginning, I have had the good fortune of working for um, some pretty major tech companies. I started in 1997 at Yahoo. I was the 247th employee. Um, I started a month shy of my 21st birthday. I was in college when I got that job. Um, I worked for the general counsel. I thought I wanted to be an attorney. I mean, literally from the time I was five years old, my father's an attorney. He was self-employed when he was working. He's since retired. And, you know, I used to go to work with him a lot. And I was like, I want to be a lawyer. And partially because I am interested in that, but also because he was self-employed. And, you know, I couldn't articulate that at the time that I thought, wow, this is really cool. I can go to work with dad and we get to go to lunch and it's really fun. And we get to leave at like 1.30. Like he got to, you know, sort of create his life as he wanted it. I couldn't articulate that at the time, right? Um, so I thought I wanted to be an attorney. Sorry for a little bit of digression. And then, you know, working at Yahoo, I was exposed to so much. I worked there for five years. Um, I saw it from 247 people to about 3,500 when I left. And, you know, I saw just people going from dial-up at home to like, you know, DSL and, you know, now as we know it, crazy high speeds at home. And um, I went to eBay from there and, you know, I did a bunch of stuff and, you know, it just over the time, it was like, I kept seeking these things where I'm like, oh, I want to do more. I know I'm smart, but I'm not, you know, being given these opportunities um, or I am being given these opportunities, but then I'm kind of being shit on, excuse my language, where, you know, my efforts weren't necessarily appreciated. And, you know, again, going back to the beginning, I wanted to be an attorney. So I'm like, you know, I finished college, um, you know, I'm working at Google and, you know, I worked at Google for five years. I did a bunch of stuff. My first six months at Google were terrible. Um, I was hired as an executive uh, executive assistant, and you know, I was expecting you know a lot more work and a lot more like brain power to be used. And it was like, cool, we just need you to photocopy facts and file and facts. That's how long ago this was. This is 2004. <laughs> um, I started, uh, yeah, it's like, and that was still a thing. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to start at Google before they went public, which um, has really set me up well, you know, to, you know, even now, you know, I left Google 10 years ago. I'm, I'm you know, part of why I'm able to live the way I live 
right now is because of that. So I am very grateful for the experience. It was terrible my first six months. And so I ended up moving to another department, which was, which was great. Um, I moved to the search quality um, engineering department, which is essentially the nucleus of the company. We, Google wouldn't exist without, I mean, these are like, you know, I would walk around the floor in the engineering department and it was tiny, right? I mean, Google was maybe 1500 people at the time, maybe slightly more. Um, And it was like, it was like goodwill hunting, right? Like there was all the, you know, all this like mathematical stuff on these whiteboards. And I'm like, I have no effing clue what y'all are talking about, but cool, keep doing it because I'm loving being able to search for things. And I learned how it worked. They were, they took the time and, you know, showed me and talked to me about how it actually worked in a way that I can understand. And, and, you know, this is now 2005 hyper growth hit Google like a lightning bolt. We went, uh, we hired a hundred people in just the search quality engineering department in the year 2005. Um, and I had to help figure out how to get them onboarded and, you know, help to, you know, be like, they're making out of college $125,000, right? So like, how do we make them how do we get them up to speed um, most mm. quickly? From there, you know, I helped grow their in, uh, international expansion business, and then I, I really wanted to move to New York, so I did that, um, and I became a chief of staff. And so I'm I moved from California to New York um, about two and a half years into my Google tenure to become a chief of staff for somebody um, who they had hired to essentially build out the content world for Google. Google doesn't create its own content. They aggregate it. And so, um, you know, we bought YouTube during that time, which, you know, at the time was one of the biggest deals ever. It was like, you know, one point something billion dollars. It was crazy, but I was on call. And this is really, you know, you had talked about desperation in the beginning. Google started to really wear on me from a physical standpoint. Okay. Let me um, quickly jump in here because before Mm -hmm. you were talking about the opportunities um, you weren't given at at Yahoo and eBay. So what opportunities in, in specific? Yeah, I th- it was just opportunity to, you know, move up and do more. And I've never really been somebody who has, you know, strived to climb a ladder. Like when people are like, I want to be a, you know, whatever vice president or whatever. I'm like, it just never, it never was like, I don't really care. Right. Like I just want to be doing cool shit with cool people is really kind of how I've always thought about it. And, you know, especially, you know, given the times that I worked at all of these places, there was such an opportunity because everything was expanding. I was, you know, Yahoo, I remember sitting in an office with the general counsel who was my boss, the head of sales and the COO, and Jeff Bezos is on the other line trying to, you know, buy ads on Yahoo when Amazon was only a bookseller. Um, And so it's like, I can take all of these things and do more with it. And it was just kind of like, yeah, 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 that's cute kid, but no. And, you know, it would be given to, you know, either somebody who was older or a dude or, you know, whatever it happened to be. And I kept seeing that over and over, um, you know, at Yahoo, at eBay. And then, you know, I get to Google and I, you know, I did have opportunities in all of them. I'm not saying that, you know, at every turn was I, you know, pushed down. It was just when I expressed my desire to, to move up, to do something different, to change. Um, a lot of times it was like, you need to be doing, you know, how about you do this for six months? It's like, but I've already done this for six months. Like, I don't know what more you need me to do. And so it just, like, I kept feeling like my attempts to do anything were thwarted, but I also knew internally, like my 
greater purpose wasn't being nourished. Like I couldn't put that into words at the time. I didn't have that vocabulary, so to speak. So it was, it just was like, ugh. I felt like I was constantly running into a brick wall. And all of the places I've worked, I've met wonderful people and had amazing opportunities. I often say, you know, I've had this front row seat to a Harvard Business School case study. Yeah. And it's been great. And, you know, I saw the engineering department just grow and, you know, I knew what Google docs and all the drive and cloud computing was before it was really released to the world. They said, go play on it, break it, give us feedback before we really start to like market this as a product. And now it's like, I don't even like, you know, when we use it all the time, it's just so commonplace. Um, So, you know, when I moved to New York, I was super excited. I had been in New York a bunch of times with Google. You know, I ended up moving there and I loved it. And, you know, I have this job. I'm the chief of staff of this, you know, flourishing department. There were 150 people globally. You know, I'm sitting in meetings that, you know, with the CEO and, you know, exposed to all this stuff. And I still, like, as much as I was like, this is cool, I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, I just, there was just this, like, underlying feeling where I was like, I just don't know that I, I I was just 30 when I moved to New York. And I think that like, I, part of it was that my identity was very tied up in where I was working, not what I was doing, if that makes sense. Like I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I work at Google and every, you know, it's like everybody thinks it's great. And, you know, there's scooters and food everywhere and we're fed all this stuff. And it is a wonderful place to work. If, that's your path. And for me, you know, going back to the early part of our conversation, at the ripe old age of five, I knew that I was not meant to work in an office because I would go to work with my dad and he worked for himself. My mother worked for herself. She was a psychologist. My grandfather worked for himself. So it was like really, you know, sort of part of the fabric of my family. But there I end up, you know, working for these big name companies and they're wonderful and I should be happy. But like, ultimately I knew that my greater purpose, like that part of me was just never, I never nourished it. It was nobody else's fault, right? Like I wasn't doing it. I didn't take the LSAT for a long time. I kept putting it off for whatever reason. And finally, when I did, I didn't do well, even though I'd studied and paid a tutor and did all this stuff, I didn't do well because it just isn't, you know, I think it's super fascinating, but it just wasn't for me. And so Um, Mm. I ended up, yeah. And so I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do after I get these results back. And it's like, yeah, I kind of screwed the pooch on that one. I didn't do so great. What am I going to do? And I'm on the phone with my stepmom and she said, why don't you go to culinary school? You love to cook and you love to entertain. And, you know, there was a little bit more of the conversation. And so that's really it, you know, and I end up walking out of Google because my health was suffering. And it was March of 2009. And there was a gym in my building in New York and I went for a run on the treadmill. And I remember having to like hit that big red stop button. And it's like such a metaphor, right? Too in life. It's like I had to hit that big red stop button on the treadmill because I was running and I realized I wasn't breathing. I gasped for air and it's like, okay, there's something's going on. I'm like not letting things out. I'm just absorbing so much. And later that evening I was online and my stepmom saw that I was on GChat and she's like, why are you up so late? It was like 1230. And I said, oh, I'm having chest pains. And you know, I'm 32 years old at the time and the phone rings immediately and she's on one line and my dad's on the other. And they're like, okay, this is like what's going on. And through that conversation, my stepmom had worked in HR kind of on the, on the 
technical side of things. And she was the one who suggested, you know, maybe it's you go out on short-term disability. I'd never heard of this. I had never, you know, it was like, can I do that? And I remember going to work the next day and I was like, okay, at least I, ha- I knew I had that in my back pocket, but I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to try and make it through the day. Like maybe this is, you know, I was like trying to talk myself out of it. Like I think so many people do. It's like, no, it's okay. I just had a bad day or, um, you know, I should just put up with this. And, you know, we're so outward and, you know, driving and charging. And, you know, we don't take time to nourish ourselves. We don't take time to just, you know, kind of sit and relax and recharge. I mean, we recharge our phones every single day and we don't give ourselves that time. And so, you know, going back to the Google thing, I ended up walking into the HR business partner's office and I said, I need to, I need to go out on leave. I was in tears. I was sobbing. My body hurt. And she's like, when do you want to go? Do you want to go right now? I was like, yep. And I did. I left. How did the um, HR person, how did she react to it? Was she cool with it or was it something, oh, how can you do that? That's a great question. She was very supportive. I mean, it was like, it was one of the easiest things that I had done there. It, it was just, there was, I mean, she, she saw, like I was literally sobbing in her office and it was like that uncontrollable hot tears running down your face. And my body language was just slumped over. And I, I mean, I physically hurt and she can see that. And so she was actually like, when do you, do you want to right now? Yep. Cool. All right. We'll get all your paperwork processed. And it was, you know, she said, take, you know, we'll put you out for 12 weeks, um, which is the max in the U.S. Otherwise, then you start going on long-term disability and it's a different process. Um, and so this you know, was short-term disability, you said, right? Yes. Um, and so, you know, you, I was able to, you know, collect my income. My stock had stopped vesting. I didn't care at that time. I was just like, I need to get out of here. I need to, this is madness. I am, you know, having chest pains. My body hurts. I, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. Um, I took that 12 weeks and I knew the minute I walked out of that office, the lightness that I felt, I was never going back. Um, I was just never going back. It was, I was like, oh my God, just literally walking out of the office and having that freedom felt amazing. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe. And I felt so powerful taking that much control of my life. You know, it was like, okay, I walked out of E. Bay and that felt powerful, but I just really did something very major. And, you know, this is 2009. Google is like, you know, a behemoth. Everybody wants to work there. And I'm just like, I, it stressed me the F out and I, I couldn't do it anymore. And, um, you know, again, I'm super grateful for all of the experience and I, you know, I didn't have the tools at the time to really know how to deal with the stress. I was working out with a trainer three days a week. I was at the gym. Like I didn't, you know, I was exercising and I was, you know, eating what I thought was health supportive. And then I go to culinary school after Google and that was, you know, blown out of the water. It was like, that was, you know, going to culinary school instead of law school was, you know, the, one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, yoga had never even really entered my consciousness at that point. Like what I had thought about yoga was this like sort of breathy, airy, fairy kind of crap that I was like, yeah, it's not for me. I can um, relate to that. It was yeah. way too for me back then as well. 
Yeah. And, you know, I just had never, you know, it just was like, no, I'm good. I had tried it once in San Francisco and, you know, or a few times and it was just like, "Mm, yeah, it's fine. But it's, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting a workout. Right. And so, Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's so interesting now how prevalent it is in my life. But, you know, after Google, I, I went to culinary school and, and that was really sort of the gateway into, you know, my journey into wellness, looking at things from a very, very, very different lens and context. And the culinary school that I went to was the leader in health supportive cooking and cuisine. And they have recently shut their doors, but they sold their curriculum to the Institute of Culinary Education so that it can live on without, you know, just that, just it being at that small culinary school. It was mind blowing. You know, I walk Mm -hmm. in and it's like, oh my God, food is medicine, number one. And what you eat, contributes to your overall mood and perhaps your anxiety. And especially what I had just gone through at Google, I'm like, oh my God. And you know, it's like I was eating animal protein and I don't think that there's anything wrong with animal protein if you're buying the right sources of it, that it's, you know, grass fed and not hormonal and, or, you know, not injected with hormones. I mean, who knows? We're all hormonal, but whatever. Um, you know, it's like, yeah. And so, but you know, then it's like, wow, I'm in, Adjusting that and it's affecting, you know, my mood and how my body appears, you know, like maybe that's why my boobs are big and maybe that's why like I can't lose weight and I have these weird rashes. And so I just started to realize like there was so we were lacking in information. I just remember thinking like, why is nobody talking about this? Like, this is fascinating stuff. And we start to dive into Chinese medicine and the five elements and yeah. different flavors and bitter and, you know, this. And I'm like, what? Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And just, and the people that I was with at culinary school, everybody but one person was also going through a career transition as well. And it was just a wonderful cohort. And they were from all over the globe, from all walks of life. And it was just, it was so interesting. You know, we learned Chinese medicine. We talked about Ayurveda. We were doing gluten-free stuff. This is, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, making non-dairy pastry cream and, you know, using agar. And, you know, we, we did one week of animal protein. And that was like, we did chicken, fish, shellfish, and eggs. We didn't touch red meat. Um, and, you know, so it was, it was awesome because it was like, wow, I'm learning how to use conventional ingredients. Like I know how to make my own almond milk. I I make my own coffee creamer at home because I know how to do it. I don't want things sitting in plastic. Things are easy. And so it's like using these conventional ingredients in an unconventional way, so to speak. And so it was like, oh my God, I took to it like a duck to water. I was like, this is literally the coolest thing ever. I can imagine that. And let's jump Back to that later on. What I'd really, really love to do is to touch on two more points that you yeah. mentioned before that eventually led you to to culinary school and to your new lifestyle, to to living a freedom lifestyle. It's overtime and pain points. What I'd like to know is what what are your insights on working overtime, your feelings, your experience, and maybe even your learnings from it. And you also mentioned in one of our chats before this interview, this false sense of freedom that's kind of deliberately fostered. They're all good questions. And I think it's, it's really important to point out the, the false sense of freedom. I think, you know, it started to happen when we became so connected. And, you know, I love my phone. I use it all the time. 
Um, and I think that there's this, you know, overwhelming desire to, you know, have your work email on your phone and check in because it's like people feel like, uh, you know, I just want to like kind of know what I'm walking into tomorrow or catch up or maybe somebody needs, you know, I don't want to be the bottleneck. There's this, you know, sort of like inherent fear that like, oh my God, if they're out, you know, if they're away from their phone for, you know, more than an hour or two and they don't check email that they're going to get in trouble. Um, or, you know, they just, they want to be seen as, you know, contributing and, you know, part of the team and, you know, there and, you know, constantly on and you can get in touch with them. And I think the same thing about, you know, sort of working from home. I loved working from home when I was, you know, working a nine to five job, but I also felt, you know, I'd say like, you know, working from home comes with its pluses and minuses. You have to babysit your email. You've got to be, you know, if if you have a full day of meetings and they're all calls, you know, they're all video calls. It's like, okay, yes, you can wear your elastic waisted pants on the bottom, but you have to look put together from the top. And yes, you can get your laundry done and all these things, but you do end up, work is now in your personal space. And I struggle with that now. I work for myself. I work from home. I do try to get out of the house and like whether I go to the library or a cafe and, you know, I'm toying around with, you know, do I want a co-working space? Because, you know, my work when I'm sitting on a computer is hard. I also cook. So I do need a kitchen. So, you know, I struggle with that a little bit too, because my work and my life are very intertwined. But if you're working for someone else and you're working at a company, then, you know, where is that boundary? What would be your strategies? Um, if someone asks you, hey, how can I keep up the boundaries or build boundaries to, to live more in a more sane way or in a more freedom-filled way and, and keep my, my personal space personal or private? Mm-hmm. I think that if you are just starting a job, you know, it's just like starting any relationship or anything set the boundaries early. You know, if, it, if you're like, I will only check my email at home one night a week or whatever it is, like whatever your boundaries are, we all know at this stage in where technology is and where business is, you're going to be given a computer. Everybody expects you to have internet at home. Your phone is, you know, you're connected 24 seven. So there is this level of expectation from the business that, you will be connected. It's up to you to set that boundary, you know, when you start a new job. If you're, you know, already like knee deep in this job, you know, it's it's worth like having a conversation with, you know, your manager to just say like, hey, this is starting to, you know, get to me. It's having an impact on me. You know, I need to, you know, figure out how to structure my day a little bit differently. I, I still want to contribute, but you have to, you know, have it's a slightly uncomfortable conversation, but have that conversation with your manager. And just take it. Um, you need to take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Um, and I think that, you know, we, a lot of us suffer in silence and we just are like, I'm just going to do it. I don't want to get in trouble. It's not worth it. And it's like, okay, wait a second here. What's not worth it? Like you're suffering and for what? You want to live your life. Like this whole work-life balance thing it's a struggle and it looks different for everybody. But I think that you have to really start to dig deep into what and, and get clear on what that means for you. Yeah, It comes down to taking responsibility for yourself. And, um, and it's not easy. I'm not saying, you know, no, I, 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 it's not, it's not easy. And I, that's, you know, one of the things that I work with people to do is to have those conversations because they're like, I just can't do it anymore. The pace is, is crazy. Mm. And you know, it's like, okay, you know, and so we start to really, you know, peel it back and it's like, what's, what's happening? You know, they're not, 
you know, they're not taking time for themselves. It's like, you know, I have a friend who literally works, goes home, eats dinner, goes to bed, gets up and does it all again. And I'm like, you're not happy. And she's like, I'm not, but like, if I don't do it, who will? I'm like, that's, you, you have not to your problem. That's exactly. Happening. And it's like, and it's hard. And I, you know, it's, it's hard for people because, you know, we're hardwired to like want to mm-hmm. help and want to, you know, be, we're people pleasers and, you know, it's hard to let things fall through the cracks because you don't want to, you know, it's like, oh my God, like, is that my reputation? Am I going to get no, you know, I'm going to start being known as the person who doesn't get shit done or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if you can talk about that, but you having worked in HR in all those big, big tech companies, was it something you um, or people came to you to talk about a lot? How did you perceive that from the inside? It's a good question. So I, I started doing HR um, when I left the culinary field and went back into a corporate life because I, you know, I ended up needing money and that's a you know whole other story. Um, So, you know, when I started doing HR, I've always kind of like naturally been that person that people just come talk to. And I've sort of, I guess, always peripherally done HR without the title. So Google wasn't HR, but it, because it seemed like that or. I was a chief of staff. So I did, you know, there was like, it wasn't HR, but I did have, you know, people, if they were like, Hey, I need to have a conversation with my manager. They would, I mean, people came to me. It did not matter yeah. what the subject was. I've I, like, I could be standing in line at the grocery store and somebody tells me their entire life story. That is just, it's something I, you know, so I'm like, <laughs> okay. and I like that. I love that people feel comfortable with me to, to have these conversations. And so, you know, when I, when I truly moved into an HR role, which early on in my career had never been a thought. And so when I did, yeah, I think that people, people felt comfortable with me. So they would let their guard down a lot. And, you know, they would talk about their struggles and, and talk about like, oh my God, like I can't do this. And, you know, everybody means well, and they're so driven and, you know, everybody like, you know, they want to be doing a good job, but, you know, people aren't unplugging in, I think, business today, it's just this unspoken, we're connected. We have these, you know, hand computers, really, these little phones that we can watch TV on. And literally, I, you know, check my emails and do business and have calls and take my pictures. And I mean, it is like a, literally an, a handheld office, right? So, oh, yeah, it is. And, and I so, mean, even, even in private life, it's, it's just so hard to switch off and to say, hey, I'm going to put my phone into flight mode for the next two hours because, I mean, thinking about it, what can happen if you're not waiting really for an urgent call? Why not? Why not create that space for yourself and just de-stress a bit and just unplug a bit? Yeah, I I mean, I think for me, one of the reasons I I wasn't able to do it or do it well when I was in the corporate space, both times I've been in it, you know, the, you know, when I started my early career and then, you know, post culinary school, when I was back in the corporate space and doing HR, I am inherently a people pleaser. I want to be available. I want to show that, you know, like I am reliable and responsible and I, you know, like I'm, you know, part of this and, you know, for whatever reason, even though, I, you know, deep down, there was just this gnawing feeling of like, this is not my greater sense of purpose. So I think that, you know, people just feel, I think most people feel that it's like, I would rather, you know, it's like, I'd rather just be kind of on edge waiting for that email than to take that two hours away or whatever time away and come back to a shitstorm. 
you know, again, I will mention Brene Brown, but she says, you know, we often dress rehearse tragedy. And I think that that's what people are doing is that they're dress rehearsing like, okay, if, you know, cause they're, they're bracing themselves for that email to come in. Like, all right, I got this, right? Like I'm, I'm here, I'm stoic, I'm staunch. I'm going to, I'm going to respond to it, whatever it is. You know, people expect you to be available all the time. And mm-hmm. so it, it's, it is hard to, to hold those boundaries yeah. for yourself and to take that time for yourself to do that. But I think it's one of the best tips we can give, give you and say, okay, as, as you said, um, build up boundaries or set your boundaries early on and be really clear about what you want to give or what you're, um, what you feel like giving or investing in, in that job. And I mean, what are you getting for it? I think it's, it's, it's very important to be, to be just clear about that deal you're, you're, um, you're making when you're, when you're starting a job or when you're doing a job that demands like overtime or um, being available outside the office and so on. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you do it two days a week. I don't know. And, and it's going to look different for everybody because everybody, everybody's different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it, boundary setting is hard, but we have to do it in every relationship. This is no different. Yeah. So um, to wrap this up, I, I sum it up under motivation for your freedom lifestyle and looking back, looking at all the experiences you made and what eventually brought you to living a freedom lifestyle. What were your biggest pain points? Are there one or two things where you say, okay, this were really the, the most crucial points that made me change my life and that are still influencing how I live my life now and and also playing into how I define freedom for myself nowadays? I think for me in the most recent nine to five job that I left, it was my health was suffering and like greatly. Um, I you know, and I'd studied health and wellness. I had gone to, you know, I affectionately call it hippie culinary school. I went to this health supportive culinary school, talked about food as medicine and, you know, knew, you know, enough about Chinese medicine. I had done a yoga teacher training that was so heavily rooted in Chinese medicine. And I just was like, I, I am, I'm not living with integrity because I'm not like, I'm not doing the things that are important to me. I'm living for this job because I just moved across the country. I have my apartment still in New York that, you know, I have to sell it and I'm paying rent and I'm the only HR person here. And I was literally, you know, it felt like I was dropped into a war zone. And so I, I ignored my health and it was like, I finally got to a place where, I mean, I was, exhausted every day at, you know, like five 30, I could have like gone to bed. I had dark circles under my eyes that were like, I mean, it was insane. I was like, God, I'm gaining weight, even though I'm, you know, I'm going to yoga, but not as much. I couldn't move in yoga. I mean, it was just like, all of these things were showing up and it was like, huh? Like I had never really put anything together. And, you know, I'd started going to acupuncture, which helped greatly. Um, you know, I had some imbalances and it, you know, started to restore that. And I finally got to a place in this job where I was like, screw this. It's, it's just, this is not me living my life in a way that's meaningful to me. I don't, I don't care about this paycheck. I don't, you know, I met great people. I'm glad I moved to California. I'm back, you know, I grew up here. This is great, but I don't want to be doing this anymore. I am way too smart. I have skills that I can rely on. I 
don't necessarily have a fully baked plan, which is not abnormal for me. I don't usually, when I make these big leaps, I'm done. And the, the pattern that I broke in this job though, was that I didn't walk out. I gave them notice, which I'm very proud of. I broke that pattern. I gave them notice and they said, don't leave. We'll give you, you know, more money and you can have whatever job you want. We know you love learning and development. So I was like, all right, let me give it a whirl. And within a week, I was like, you know, they, they told me to wait and be patient. And I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm maxed out. And, you know, what I dealt with there is an entirely different podcast. That's, I mean, that's, it's crazy. But I... Finally, ended up going to see a naturopathic doctor. And, you know, it was like, okay, I'm gaining weight despite the fact that I am like, you know, eating healthfully. Sorry, this yeah. this was at, at your at your last job in LA, the last corporate job in LA. Yes, correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, so I end up at, at a naturopath and I'm like, I'm gaining weight. I'm, you know, this all these things are going on. Like I'm having headaches and this and, you know, just kind of these like random symptoms, right? I've read one of your Instagram posts about it and you said you were exhausted every day. You were gaining weight although you were moving probably quite a lot. You were doing your yoga. And I know this is an issue for I think especially for a lot of women. I've talked to 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 friends and and people I know, women I know, and they're like, man, I'm doing all these things that are supposed to help me lose weight, but I'm I'm not losing weight or I'm I'm gaining more weight. And so this is this is a super interesting point. And I'm really happy that we're talking about it. And so you were also dealing with headaches and with adult acne. And I've I've read another like a few more symptoms you were dealing with, right? Yeah, I it, it totally. And it's like, you know, I was very healthy in New York. Nothing had happened. You know, you know, I felt great. And so it was just like, okay, why do I feel swollen? Why do I feel fatigued? Why am I, you know, and so I end up at a naturopath's office and it's like all of that stress, what the stress does to people's bodies is it causes inflammation. Um, and that inflammation is not good. You know, it spikes your cortisol levels. It, you know, it, you're, you know, there's all this talk about microbiome. It's totally screwing with that. I am now basically celiac. I cannot have gluten. And it's like, I mean, I have to tell you, like not eating it is a total game changer. I had brain fog. Like I was just like, oh my God. I, and that it was, none of it was me. You know, I'm usually very like on it and with it. And so, you know, uncovering my hormones were off. My iron was low. My selenium was low. I'd never heard the word selenium except in my 10th grade chemistry class. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's like, wow, this is, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, having this information, you know, despite all the tools in my toolbox where I was like, I've studied health and wellness. So I should be able to figure this out. It's like those blood tests gave me my life back and where I now, you know, okay, I've had to eliminate gluten from my diet. Not a big deal. I know how to do that, you know? And so now when people come to me and we get all their blood results back and they're like, I'm supposed to go on an elimination diet. I have no idea what to do. I'm your guide. I'll hold your hand through all of this. And you know, like that's the part that I know how to do. The diagnostic mm -hmm. stuff isn't, I'm not a doctor much to my mother's chagrin. I kid, but no, I, you know, it's like, go get your blood work done and figure mm -hmm. it out. And it's going to be a functional medicine or a naturopathic doctor that's going to take all these like random symptoms and get the blood work and then be able to put it together for you to say, hormones are off, your iron's low, your selenium's low, your thyroid's screwed up, your adrenals are toast, like literally everything. And I was, I just remember sitting there and I'm 
furiously writing notes. And I was like, holy shit, how did I let this happen? That's, that's what I really want to stress out that um, stress out, haha, nice, <laughs> nice play of words. Um, well, when, when I was in that situation nine, 10 years ago, I thought, oh, well, I'm having a headache, but I didn't really think about it. I just accepted it as a normal part of my life. And I had frequent headaches or having all this acne in my 20s, in my late 20s. It was like, oh my gosh, why am I still running around with all these pimples on my face? And I think a lot of the time people just accept it and take it as a as a normal thing that's just just that's just happening or that's just part of their life but there's always a reason for it and it's it's really great that we now um, show that there's this link to chronic stress or that it basically is all caused by chronic stress and inflammation in your body right it's fascinating i mean it's amazing that you know your body is essentially like when you are under chronic stress you know, your body's attacking itself. Your immune system is shutting down. Like things are just not happening normally. And, you know, to your point, like people just kind of take these things at face value, like, oh, that's so weird. I have, you know, pimples or I get a headache. But if, if you're starting to get them and it's abnormal for you, there's something else going on. There is an underlying cause that is probably greater than you know, than, than is showing up on your skin. You know, there's things that are, your body's trying to get your attention. We're all these, you know, we all are, you know, so data driven in our, in our careers, our body's showing us all this data. We just don't know how to put it together. Um, and so it's just so interesting to go get all of this, you know, all this testing done and to be like, wow, that acne, I wasn't imagining like, oh, that's so weird. Maybe I ate too much whatever, or maybe I'm hormonal or maybe I'm, I don't know, like I have a headache. Maybe I haven't had enough water. I mean, all of these things are very like valid thoughts and, you know, sort of diagnostic tools. But if these things are pervasive and they continue on for longer than a week, two weeks, three weeks, there is a greater Mm -hmm. cause. I know you have some, you have a little toolbox there for some great initial steps that people can do to de-stress right away. Um, What worked for you? Um, What works for me, you know, definitely just, you know, continuing to go to yoga. One of the things um, that I learned through all these testings is that my adrenal glands are, you know, really toast. So I've, you know, had to find other methods of yoga. I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm a like, I love Bikram. It's 90 minutes. I love the practice, not the man. Um, but I couldn't stand in the heat. So finding other methods of yoga and, and, you know, the breath work and, you know, I have two yoga teaching certifications. I know, you know, pranayama and meditation and just, even if it's three minutes, right. It doesn't have to be this long, you know, sort of candlelit journey. It could be like literally get up and, you know, sit there for three to five minutes and just, you know, there are so many apps that you can use for meditation. And so that was, you know, something that really worked for me and, and changing my diet. And even though I had, you know, really, I, I still am mostly plant-based, you know, I was playing fast and loose with gluten. It's like my mom has celiac. I'll eat when I'm with her, I can eat gluten-free and I'll eat kind of gluten-free, but you know, I can indulge in, you know, a piece of pizza every now and again. Um, so changing, changing that up. And then, 
you know, there's something in Chinese medicine, uh, the clock, you know, each organ is paired with two hours on the clock. And so if it's really interesting to, it's all, it's available on Google. You don't need to make flashcards and memorize any of this. It's just like, it's, it's right there at your fingertips. You know, if you're starting to notice that your sleep is interrupted and you notice it's at a, you know, roughly the same time every night for three, four, five, six nights, you know, maybe there's something going on with your liver, your lungs, you're not breathing. Are you this? And, you know, it starts to, you're able to kind of like peel back the layers of the onion and say like, you know, there's something really going on with me. And, you know, for me, I knew being tired at five 30 every evening, there was something going on with my kidneys. Um, which, you know, the adrenal glands sitting on top of the kidneys, like there was just this overproduction. I had, you know, a deficiency in this and not that it was life-threatening, but I was able to, you know, start my journey just having that little bit of knowledge. So Mm. I encourage people to, you know, it's literally, you can Google Chinese medicine body clock and you'll get a plethora of information. We can put that in the show notes as well because I saw it and I find it quite fascinating and I think it's quite it's it's also quite entertaining to look at it because mm-hmm. I have phases where I wake up at night and I'm like, oh my gosh, why is that? And it's it's so cool if you have like a frame of reference, what it could be, or just like an impulse of digging deeper. And one last thing that helped I, is acupuncture. I think that, you know, it was it is still, you know, one of my greatest tools is, you know, taking that time every week to just balance things out. And it's, you know, people freak out, it's needles, it's this, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It's, you know, it's a very, you know, it's tonifying for the body. It helps bring back balance and it, it helps those things that are trying to get your attention, whether it's pain, you know, any of the stagnation, it helps it just assimilate back into your body and, mm. and you achieve this homeostasis. So let's shift gears a bit. And talk about getting out of your nine to five job and how to making that that leap of faith and jumping into the unknown. Because when you quit your last corporate job, you didn't have anything else in the pipeline. So how did you do that? How did you bring up that courage to just start without having something concrete at your fingertips? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I'm crazy is the, you know, I'm not, um, but somebody (laughs) gave me, I, I mean, it's a little nuts. Um, you know, I, I, but there, I knew that I would be okay. Like I have done something similar, you know, I know that I'll be okay. I'm smart. I'm intuitive. I can figure this out. I've done a lot of things in my life. I have a lot of skills and somebody in, you know, a previous corporate life had said to me during another period where I was like really struggling and, and just kind of trying to figure out what was next for me. She said, jump without a net. Something will be created to catch you at, you know, at some point you'll be okay was really the, you know, the overall message. And that stuck with me. I mean, that was, she said that to me when I was 27 years old and I still remember that. And I told her since then, like that was probably one of the most impactful things that somebody has said to me. Um, I. I knew that, I mean, I have a a culinary education. I have a nutrition background. I have two yoga teaching certifications. I have a myriad of weird skill sets that I can, you know, draw from to make a living. And, you know, going back to this freedom lifestyle, I have known that I should be self-employed from the time I was five, but I have taken the opportunity to work at these amazing places to get experience, realize it really isn't for me. And just knowing, all right, I, you know, 
now it's go time. And, you know, I've been building this coaching business. I mean, I was just like, I'm going to do something health and wellness related. And, you know, I don't, I didn't know what that was going to be. I had no idea. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I want to work with people like me, you know, men or women, you know, and it, it is mostly women that I work with, but, you know, some men who are experiencing these feelings in a, in a corporate space. And I'm not advocating anybody necessarily quit their job. Some people really thrive in a corporate environment, but they just don't know how to quite navigate it. They don't know how, maybe how to have some difficult conversations or how to position themselves correctly. And, you know, once we start to peel back things, it's, you know, there are dietary changes that they can make and there are, you know, different lifestyle changes that they can make you know, over that. So, you know, that's what it's becoming. But I just, I knew in my, like in every cell of my body that I had to do it and that I would be okay. So you felt, or you knew where you were going roughly in which direction when you quit your last corporate job? I mean, kind of, I knew that it was something health and wellness related. Okay. What it was going to be, I had no clue. Um, I was, you know, one day I just started taking pictures of the things that I was making at home on Instagram. And, you know, I started to gain, you know, and by no means am I like, you know, crushing it, but, you know, I've started to gain a following. Um, I've, I was invited to a health and wellness conference that, you know, there were only 250 people there. And so it was like, okay, I know I'm on the right path. I just kind of had to take that first step um, and mm -hmm. believe in myself. And I think that that was, that was the biggest lesson for me is that, you know, I kept telling myself I didn't know enough. I didn't go to, you know, this fancy school or that fancy school. And, you know, I don't have a degree in this and it's like, it doesn't matter. I do know enough. I, you know, I have a passion around it and I have a reason to have a passion around it. I've experienced it and this is how it helped and shaped my life. And so, and you know, it wasn't like an overnight thing, But I finally started to believe, you know, the feedback that I was getting from other people, like, wow, you should be, you know, talking about this in front of people, you should be coaching, you should be doing this. So, you know, it was just like, all right, I'm going to do this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I took a leap of faith, I believe in myself. And, you know, who knows what the future will hold, but I know that I'm working on something, um, and I'm working towards something that I am like, I am finally living with purpose. Hmm. And I think this, this feeling or this this sense um you you know that you're on the right path that's so motivating right and that's just like a continuous driver that keeps you going yeah i mean it it definitely does i mean i wake up every morning and i am excited to you know get to work and it it feels good it doesn't feel like work it doesn't feel like a four letter word i feel like i am you know doing something that, you know, makes me happy and I'm, you know, making an impact in, in people's lives in a way that, that just, it feels good. Mm -hmm. And I mean, starting something completely new in your, basically your midlife. So when you're in your early forties or maybe in your mid forties, how to make a living. And this is also like um, connected with a question I ask all my podcast guests here on this Freedom Lifestyle edition. Um, how do you sustain yourself living a Freedom Lifestyle? And how do you sustain yourself when you're not yet where you want to be? You mentioned something earlier and, and it would be awesome if you could um, just dive into that 
a little bit deeper, like relying on the skills you have, or maybe on the relying on the strange skills that you have. Um, on that, um, you know, the, the strange skills, and then I'll talk about the financial piece, the larger financial piece. So, you know, when I was going through the culinary phase of my life and, you know, having just graduated from culinary school and I did have a nice savings account, which, you know, it goes rapidly, especially in New York city. Um, I have really nice handwriting. And so I put an ad on Craigslist. I don't even know if Craigslist still exists, but I put an ad on Craigslist to, you know, do wedding invitations. I had done friends, wedding invitations and things like that. So I started to get, you know, little bites here and there. And it was, you know, four or 500 bucks for, you know, each one. And then, you know, somebody from American Express called and said, we have this really big job. We want to, you know, send letters to all of these card members, blah, blah, blah. I ended up doing two jobs for them, um, both of which were 3,500 bucks. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, even though you may think it's like this really weird skill, like I have nice handwriting, somebody needs that. Um, so, you know, think about what you've learned. Um, and even if it's a corporate skill, you know, maybe it's like, you know, data entry, who knows, but you know, you've got, there's so many things that we can do to make money. That kind of also gave me the courage in my most recent departure from corporate America to say like, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. I can hustle. I've got grit and hustle. I'll do this. I think that's so cool. And that's, I, well, at least I wouldn't have thought of that while I was still permanently employed, like being that creative and just uh, tapping into my creative skills and doing something completely different and making money out of it. But I guess That's what comes with being a solopreneur or being self-employed or working as a freelancer that you're just saying, okay, hey, I'm doing something totally different or I have to make some money along the way until I'm where I want to be with my own business. And I think it's a great tip looking at your skills and what you can do and That's really cool. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got to a place where I was like, I would rather, you know, spend a week of my time. I mean that the job for American Express was insane. I had to like crank out, I think it was like 750 handwritten letters for people and they needed, it was like, you know, a six day turnaround or something. So I like barely left my apartment. I mean, it was crazy, but it was like, I would rather be doing this than sitting in an office because sitting in an office drove me bananas and it impacted my health. So, you know, I think, you know, I played the game of would you rather. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where I got to, you know, leaving the corporate space this last time, which, you know, for me is like, this is the line in the sand. I, I don't want to go back. I can't go back. I like the pattern of how it has impacted my behavior or not behavior, my health. Sorry, that's a Freudian slip right there. But um, that too. Um, but, you know, I... I'm grateful in that, you know, I owned an apartment in New York that I was able to purchase because of, you know, Google. And so like, you know, thank you, Google, because I'm still able to, you know, I, I sold my apartment and, you know, I don't want to blow through everything, but I'm able to, you know, really build something and focus on that um, and start to earn a little bit of money. I teach yoga. I mean, I'm, you know, not going to retire on that, but, you know, I enjoy it. It does bring in some money. Um, I am, you know, starting to coach people. I'm starting to get some clientele. Um, I'm also, you know, just sort of an a la carte service of that is I'm, you know, redoing people's resumes and LinkedIn profiles because I've seen, a, you know, just so many resumes, um, I know what the mistakes are. I know what, you know, how to do it in a short 
concise way. I can help them with their LinkedIn profile. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, again, like, all right, what am I, you know, what am I good at? I don't necessarily necessarily need to love it right now, but you know, if I can bring in some money doing this, I may as well. Um, and you know, it will help me in some way, shape or form in the, in the long run. Yeah. So it's, it's basically like a potpourri of things you're doing at the moment and you're saying, Hey, it's okay to, um, to sustain myself like that. And Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's like Kat said on, on episode number three, she's got three jobs and I don't know. It's, I think for a lot of us, it's like, Ooh, three jobs. And, but yeah, Hey, if it's, if it's helping you to, to live the way you want to live and it doesn't have to mean more stress, it's not that it's three full-time jobs, but it's just like doing something here, doing something there. And, that's helping you create your freedom. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to further that point, you know, it's like I have, you know, God knows how many jobs. And, you know, one of the other things that I'm doing as well is, you know, with my friend Christian, who's, you know, my acupuncturist, which is how we met, we're creating a reset and flow retreat, a, a healing retreat in Hawaii in February of next year. And we spent five hours yesterday working on it. And it was a Sunday. And but it doesn't, you know, it didn't feel like work. It's like, we're excited about the project. We're excited to work together. And, you know, I get to hang out with my friend when I'm working and, you know, it's like, I don't have that like sort of 40 hours a week, you know, Monday through Friday. It's like, I'm working, you know, a steady stream kind of every day, but I'm also taking that time for myself, that free time for myself of I'm going to go to yoga or I may take a whole day off or, you know, whatever it is, but I never, I don't feel this like, pressure to like be checking in or I don't have the Sunday scaries anymore. It's like, it's nice. I have, you know, a myriad of, you know, trickles of income right now, but it makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the main point. So thinking about finances, for me, it was like this when I said, okay, I don't want to work Monday to Friday, nine to five anymore. I want to have more free time. I said, okay, for me, it's all right to have, um, to earn less. And so I shifted my priorities, like making the deal to, um, for example, to not buy that many things anymore, because when I was still permanently employed, I would buy, oh, I would buy so many things. And now I say, okay, I earn less, but I spent my money differently. So how's, how's that for you? Yeah, I think very similar to, to, to you. I mean, when I was, you know, permanently employed and I, I was, you know, especially when I was at Google and I was living in New York and I was just like dropping, I mean, money, like it was crazy. And it's, you know, New York with money is a lot of fun. Um, but when I left and, you know, especially now it's like my priorities have, have definitely shifted. You know, I am, when I'm spending money, it's, you know, like I invested in a coaching program for myself. So I look at that as an investment. Um, or if, I'm spending time with my friends and we go out to dinner. I get to, you know, that's something that we get to do, you know, but also the time that I'm spending with them. And especially, you know, I'm lucky. I live in LA. It's sunny, like 364 days of the year, right? Like, so we can go and go for hikes and go, go to the beach and spend time in different ways that don't necessarily involve spending money. I don't need a like full on wardrobe. You know, I am, if I'm meeting with people, you know, I have my kind of little capsule outfits that I can rotate between things. This top goes with these pants, goes with this skirt, you know, kind of thing. 
yeah, that's it. It's just my priorities have shifted. Like, you know, I'm so motivated to work for myself and I'm much happier. Like I don't need a bunch of crap. Hmm. Would there be any quick tips from your side if someone's saying, hey, where can I save money? What could I what could I skip? Is there anything on your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, uh, you always see, you know, do you need to go buy, you know, a $5 latte every morning? Like, you know, buy a coffee maker and make it at home. You know, it's it's actually, you know, there's something satisfying about, you know, making your own meals and making your own coffee. and Or are you going out to lunch and spending $20 every day? Um, you know, maybe you cut that down to two days a week instead of every, you know, every day. And so, you know, there's, you know, if you're doing it two days a week and not th five, you know, you're saving 60 bucks. Um, what is your, you know, are you like little things like cable TV? Do you need to have the entire, you know, sports package, HBO, whatever? Do you need it at all? Um, and, you know, also there's so many opportunities. I mean, I've been doing this now. It's kind of fun. Like on Instagram, there's all these ads, like try this facial for free, try this workout for free, try this. And it's like, I'll just go and try all these new things because I'm exploring. I'm also trying to meet new people. I'm in a new city. And so like, there's opportunity to, you know, still participate in life and meet people without spending money. So I think that a lot of my money spending previously was because I was unhappy and it was mindless. And it would be that quick high of like, Ooh, I just got this new pair of shoes or this bag or whatever. And it's like, I don't care about that anymore. Yeah. I love that. I love your tips. And I love that last message you're giving because it's, yeah, I think it comes down, often comes down to the question, what are my priorities and why am I spending that money on something? Um, I last year I read that book from John Streletsky, The Cafe at the End of the World. I think that's the title in English as well. Do you know it? Mm -mm. I'm not familiar. I'm I'm gonna put it in the show notes as well. And it's it's a great story. So he ends up in this cafe. He's working, I don't know, over time somewhere in LA. He he has got a weekend off or just a day off and takes off the wrong exit and then he ends up in this cafe random cafe somewhere really remotely and um, ends up talking to different people and there's this one lady she worked in advertising or in marketing for a long time and she said she had this beautiful apartment and all these things but she didn't have the time to use it But then to kind of reward herself, she would buy this and that and all these things. But then, of course, she had to work more to pay to pay off all what she bought. And it's kind of this vicious circle. And why did she do all that to to live happier? But of course, she wouldn't live happier because she would be stuck in this. Yeah, it all comes down to... Um, to being happy and, and asking you the question, why do you want these things? Yeah, that's, I mean, I need to clearly purchase that book. It sounds, I mean, I, I think we've all been there. You've been there, I've been there. And I think, you know, part of that, you know, buying the things or, you know, it's whatever the things are, you know, insert whatever here is to numb out some of the, the pain that we're feeling. And we're, and I think that people just don't know necessarily to acknowledge it or even to ask that question, like, why am I doing this? I think that that's the hard part is to actually get to that point. And I think, you know, you, know, you and I have connected over that. Like we both got to a, that place in our lives where it was like, why am I 
why am I working this way? Why am I living this way? Why am I buying all these? Like why it's, it's hard to get to that point. And I love when I'm working with people, when they get to that point, you know, I lead them to that. I don't offer that up initially. I think everybody needs to get there on their own, but absolutely. You know, we just, we numb out things by buying and consuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that notion of numbing out. And you can do that in so many ways. You can do it by watching TV in the evening or getting a drink or, yeah. Literally anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'd rather be watching TV than working on my life. When somebody posed it to me that way, it was like, oh my God, you know, I am like, I'm mindlessly scrolling on Instagram or I might, you know, and it's like, I'm not necessarily taking action. Is this truly how I want to be living? Um, I'm consuming crap and it's just like food. You know, if I'm consuming crap, I'm going to gain weight or, you know, whatever it, it is. It's the same thing. It's just, it's not going to necessarily manifest in a physical yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, even a freedom lifestyle can be hard work. <laughs> It, it is. But I think that, yeah, to that point, it's like, this is, you know, this is, this is our choice. You know, freedom lifestyle doesn't to me means, you know, it doesn't mean like it's all ponies and unicorns and rainbows. And, you know, I think it's wonderful. And I get to, you know, you get to, I get to, we, all, you know, we all can create the life that we want to live. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's like, there's no effort involved. There's a ton of effort. And I think, you know, there's a lot of work involved, but you know, we work in shorter periods of time versus like eight hours, come home, check our email. It's like, if I'm working, been up since, you know, five 30 this morning, I've been working and, you know, I'll be able to take a break, go to yoga and then come back and do my work. And so it's, it's also not without sacrifice, this freedom lifestyle. It doesn't mean it just. Yeah. But is, you, but we're pretty aware of what we're sacrificing for. Absolutely. I think that's the difference is that, yeah. yeah, is the awareness of what is, what is the sacrifice to, you know, this is, this is just what, you know, we're more committed to living like this than attached to something else. Yeah. But it's a process. It's definitely a process and it's an ongoing process. And we're, I think, I guess you're never really, you're never finished. You're always there and yeah, just making, making the best or trying the best you can do every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, let's get to, um, to wellness A to Z. This is the business you're, you're calling yourself at the moment. And I I really like it because the name already points to this holistic view to wellness. So I'd like to know how did your lifestyle, your new lifestyle contribute to finding your way and to um to um, creating your new business? I well you mentioned a few things before but maybe you can just dive into that a little bit. So. Yeah, and thank you. I'm I'm glad that it resonates with people. It took me it took me a while. You know, as I mentioned, I left the corporate space and didn't necessarily know where it was going to lead. I just knew I needed to be on this health and wellness journey. And you know, initially it was like, okay, well, it's going to be food and it's going to be yoga. And then it was like, wait a second, I need to speak to people like me who are in in a corporate space. And so, talking about wellness A to Z isn't just about you know, food or yoga poses or, you know, diseases or whatever it happens to be. It's also things that you can be doing, you know, in an office and for yourself and also if it's job search. So it literally is all encompassing um, because I don't think that 
there is a one size fits all approach. I want to give people the information um, and sort of like a, an overall, like just an introduction to these things so that it, you know, oh, they get curious about it. Um, so you know, on my Instagram, I take, you know, every week is a new letter and I, and I present something every, you know, it may not be every day. I try to do every day, but, um, you know, it may, there may be four or five posts in a week, um, that, you know, right now I'm on the letter J. So, you know, there'll be, you know, maybe a food item, a yoga pose or an emotion or something about job stress, like things like that. So that it's like, oh, wow. Like this is an, overall approach to life versus like, I'm going to wake up and be keto or vegan or whatever. And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just like, that's just one piece of the pie. And so wellness A to Z aims to be the whole pie. Mm-hmm. I love that. And what can people listening to this show do today to include more freedom and health in their lives? Can you share some wellness wisdom with us? Oh, I think there's a, you know, a lot of things. I think, you know, so many people, um, aren't getting good sleep. So, you know, it's, um, turning off the screens even 20 minutes before they go to bed. I'm not always the best at it either. I love watching, you know, whether it's, you know, queer eye and bed, like whatever it is, but, you know, trying to get better sleep and going to sleep a little bit earlier and, you know, waking up and giving themselves time in the morning. I think people are so rushed. I hate the feeling of being rushed more than anything. Um, so I give myself a lot of time. It's part of the reason I am a morning person. I also come by it honestly, but, you know, just getting up in the morning and, you know, whether or not you take your, you know, three to five minutes and just have some quiet time before you turn on your phone or look at your email, maybe have some warm lemon water in the morning. Yeah. I think it's just not rushed so much. I think that, you know, that's a, a really big contributor of the problem that is a really, I don't want to say easy solve because I know that, you know, changing people's habits is hard, but like just set your alarm clock for 10 minutes earlier and then just start to, you know, work back from there. It just, you don't need to, you know, jump off the cliff and do it all in one day. It's just like, okay, today it's going to be 10 minutes earlier. Tomorrow it's going to, you know, like ease yeah. into it. Um, but maybe choose not to be rushed and choose how you want to present yourself through the day. I know that right. sounds a little airy fairy, but um, yeah. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. I love both of, I love both tips and motivation. Do you have um, a key tip or what's your motivational line for someone who wants to include more freedom in their life? Oh, well, I mean, it's, I think it's hard to sum up in one tip. I think it's really identifying what it is he or she or they want out of their life and what's, what's missing. Um, I think identifying what's missing is actually challenging, but it, once you identify what's missing, you can then, you know, fill up your life with more meaningful activity. And, you know, it's, it's not easy to do on your own. You know, if you have a trusted friend or confidant or mentor or therapist, um, talking about that and just saying something's not right. I feel off. I feel imbalanced. And, you know, it's, there's no shame in talking about it. I think that we all need to. So just starting to identify what's missing. Great. I like that. And now we're ending with um, four quick questions. What is it for you, summer or winter? Summer, no, no question. Yay, I love that. I mean, you're living in California. It's, it's quite I, obvious. <laughs> I never want to put on my 
big puffy birth control jacket again. But anyway, summer, hands down. Good. What's your favorite country to travel to or a country that really fascinates you? Oh, that's hard. I've loved everywhere that I've been for different reasons. I just want to keep exploring and using my passport. I don't have a favorite country or like everything has just been amazing. And a person who inspired you lately and why did he or she inspire you? I, oh, that's hard too. I think it's, um, you know, I will say, you know, probably my friend Christian who, um, you know, initially we met because I went to him for acupuncture and we've become really, really close friends. And he's been very, very supportive in my overall journey. Um, and yeah, so I think, and he, he lives a freedom lifestyle and I admire that. Cool. I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a freedom song, like a, a song that just makes you want to scream, yeah, I'm loving my freedom? Um, the song Freedom by Beyonce that she does with Kendrick Lamar, I think is awesome. I think just the overall, like just the sound. But yeah, I mean, like when I'm feeling kind of like, Yeah, it's anything by Beyonce I'll put on. It's like, that's such great cleaning music to dance around your apartment. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. <laughs> um, I just I just recently watched um, Homecoming on Netflix. Uh, Beyonce. Yeah, And, I know. You're like, yes, yeah. girl. Mm -hmm, oh I know. Gosh, she's so inspiring. <laughs> I know. Totally. All right. Ending on that note, I... Thank you so much for being on this show. And I, I always love talking to you, but I think this is a really great combination of presenting Freedom Lifestyle and also diving a little bit more into the health and wellness stuff. I really like this combination. So um, yeah, thank you so much for being here and taking that time. Well, I appreciate you and thank you for taking the time and inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm, you know, so thrilled um, with this opportunity and I always love talking to you as well. So thank you so much. It's been super fun. I hope you liked this episode and as always, share it with people who might benefit from it and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you feel inspired, also leave a rating and a review, especially on iTunes. That's super important and that helps me heaps. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time. <laughs>